to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Rivers of Living Water is here to turn our thirsty world into a Garden of Eden, freely pouring out the Word of God to our desolate world. Now, here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. Good morning, everyone. It's nice to have you with us today. I trust you've had a good week. We're uh, going to be talking about the uniqueness of Christianity. And in the process of doing so, I trust that you will understand better why Christianity is unique and why so many times Christians talk about that, well, we're the only religion and this kind of a thing. I think as I go through this program today, you will realize why it's so important that we understand about what the Christian faith is all about. And and so let's start out by talking about what God is like. So the first thing we got to do if we want to have a relationship with someone is to find out a little bit about that person. By the way, God is a person. He does have a personality. He is alive and well. There is a God that we can associate with, that we can have fellowship with, which we'll find out later in more detail on that. But first of all, God is everywhere, but God is not everything. In the same way that I'm sitting here in my office, but I'm not the office. And we're sitting in our home. We're not the home. I can reach over to my computer and I can control my computer, but I'm not the computer. So doesn't that make sense that God could be everywhere and yet not be everything? We'll find out the importance of this later. God is also all-powerful. There is nothing God can't do. The Bible tells us without with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So he's all-powerful. He's all-seeing. God can see everything that we're doing. Everything more than that, God can see what we're going to be doing all of our lives. And now these things are kind of hard to understand because we're in a space-time world, and we'll explain a little bit about that later too. But God does see everything. Not only does he see the outside, he also sees the inside. He knows what we're thinking. He knows what we're going to think. And so God is all-knowing. All right? God is three in one. He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and yet there's just one God. But one God in three persons. Now, let me try to explain this. Now, we refer to this as the Trinity, but uh, 
the word Trinity is not mentioned in the Bible, that our triunity. So how can we explain this? How about space? It's length, breadth, and height, and yet we have one space. How about time? Past, present, future, yet there's time. It's not times. And so many other things that we see around us would explain what the Trinity is like. And that's two examples. But there are many others that would show us how that you can have one thing in three entities. So the Trinity is like that. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, another thing about God is that he has always been. There's never a time when God was not. He's always been God. And he always will be. So he has no beginning. He has no end. God did not have to progress through a number of stages. He's always been the same. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God did not have to learn things like we do. He didn't have to progress as we do. God has always known everything. He's always been all-powerful. He's always been all-seeing. And all of these attributes that I'm telling you about, there never has been a time when he's been otherwise. This is very unique in the Christian way of, uh, in our way of thinking. This is very unique. You won't find very many religions that think the way we do. We get our information for a good part in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the Jewish scriptures. And so the Jewish people do think the same way that we do as for as the attributes of God. They do not accept Jesus as the third person of the Trinity like we would. They have a little different idea on the Trinity. So we're unique in that sense that we believe that there are there is one God and three persons. Now this can also be shown in the Bible where it talks about let us make man in our own image. That and when we see Elohim in the Bible, we notice that that is a plural word with a uh, singular meaning. So there are many things that I can tell you about that would show that God is a triunity. Okay, God the Father we cannot see. God is a spirit, Jesus tells us, and they that worship God must worship him in spirit and truth. We don't see a spirit. So we don't see God, even though he's all around us and everywhere. We can't see him, God the Father. God the Son came in the likeness of sinful man and for sin. And we'll talk about this a little bit, too, as we go along. But he came 
that we might have a relationship with God through him. And so what I'm doing is just kind of giving you a preview of different things, and then we'll go back to some of these in the rest of the program that we have today. So God the Son, we have seen him as he manifests himself in the flesh. God the Holy Spirit, we don't see him either. So this can all be shown in the creation because God is also the creator of all things. Everything that we see and everything that we don't see, angels and things that are talked about, are all created by God. God is the only one that is self-existent and the only one that is self-sustaining. So we see that he is the creator. How did he create? He spoke everything into being. Think about this for a while. Can you think about speaking everything into being? And yet, that's what God did. As you go to Genesis 1, you notice that we see God saying, let there be, and the next thing you see, there was. And so God spoke it, into being out of nothing. There was nothing before he spoke it into being. Throughout the ages of eternity, there was just God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. These people, these beings, yet one is, and you know, it looks kind of dumb to some people how you could have three and one. And we think that the Christians are spaced out, but like I showed you, this is very possible. Even ourselves, we have body, soul, and spirit. So the soul you don't see, the spirit you don't see, but you do see the body. So even our own selves, we find we have three pers- we have three parts to us, and yet we're one. We're one person. We're not three persons. So there's a, another good example of the Trinity looking right at you when you look in the mirror every day. So to think that this is strange, that God would be three persons, is not as strange as what you would think. All of the creation points to that. And you know, you can, you can tell the Creator by what the creation is like. So we look at the creation, we see what it's like, and we can get a little bit of an idea on what God is like by looking at the creation. Now, another thing we're going to talk about in after in the second part of our program today is the condition of man. And this is somewhat unique as far as Christianity is concerned, too. But let's just talk a little bit more about God himself. God wants to have a relationship with the human race. He He wants to fellowship with us. He wants us to know him. He's not hiding from us. He wants us to have a loving, personal relationship with him. Now, another thing about God is that he is holy. He he is 
loving. He is the light of the world. He's life. And so we, we see these things about God and we realize that God is a loving person who wants to have a relationship with us. So we're getting pretty close to the break, so I'm, I'm uh, wanting to not go an awful lot into detail on some of the other things until we come to the next part of our program. So I, I think we'll just go ahead and, and, uh, this is Howard Eugene Wright and you're listening to talk to uh, rivers of living water at talkzone.com. Now, more Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com with your host, Howard Wright. Now you know a little bit more about God than maybe some of you have, or maybe you just haven't thought about this for a while. You've known it before. But God being what He is, He can take care of any of our needs, seeing that He wants to be a personal Savior, a personal Lord, and and everything to us, He's able to do more than we can even ask or think. Not only is He able, He's willing to do more than we could ever ask or think. God is a good God. He hates sin. He hates rebellion against Him. Now, we haven't talked about that yet, so we wonder how that got into the world. First of all, Man was created perfect, and the Bible teaches us that he was made in the image and the likeness of God. That does not mean that man is a God. Never has been, he never will be. We are not equipped for that kind of a thing. But it does mean that we're able to understand, we're able to reason, we're able to love, we're able to uh, realize that we're separate from the creation as God is separate from the creation. We're, and we're able to learn new things. So in that sense, we, we also have a free will, and God has a free will. That means that God is not bent in such a way that if we come up with the right formula, God just automatically does things for us. Everything has to be done according to God's will and God's good pleasure. But man is made in the image and likeness of God on the spiritual level. It does not mean that God has hands and feet and six foot two and eyes of blue and things like that. God is not that way either. God fills the whole universe, and like I've already told you. So even though we are in the image and likeness of God, that does not mean that we are God or that we ever will be God. And people who look inside of themselves because they're looking for the God that is within them 
are sadly mistaken and sadly disappointed to find out what's in people is not the God that they're looking for. People have been trying to do this for a long time, and they never have been able to. They've We've been told that we were a, a part of some kind of creation, but have never been able to tell how it all started. And some have gone to the extent to say that we... God created it, and then he put it down, and and it just went on by itself without God's intervention or, or God's doing anything with it. But this is not what the Christian believes. The Christian believes that God has always been involved in his whole creation. As a matter of fact, if God was taking his hand off of the creation for a moment it would go in total confusion and would be gone. God is supervising. He is the sovereign of the universe as well. So nothing goes by God, and everything has to go through him in order to be uh, accomplished at all. But man was created in perfect union with God, God would come every day and would talk to them and would uh, walk with them. Also, man is has been created male and female. So God had a reason for us being two different sexes. We find out that animals also are created male and female. So... God had a reason for that as well. And anyone who tries to go against that and put male together and females together is actually going against the purpose of God. And so we find that man was made perfect and had complete fellowship with God, but we know that's not the way it is today. The Bible teaches us and we'll talk more about the Bible later, but the Bible teaches us that we are far from God. Now, our, we have something happened to us back there that got us away from God, and we refer to that as sin. So sin separated us from God. God did not separate us. Sin separated us. Rebellion is what separated us. God told Adam and Eve, which were the male and female, our first parents, he told them that there was a certain tree that they were not supposed to eat of. They turned around and ate it. And as a result of it, sin came into the world. Now, there are two types of sin. There's the sins that we create ourselves, the ones that we do, and then there's the sin that we're born with. And because we're born with that, we're naturally walking away from God from birth. We're born with a sin nature. So that sin nature has taken us away from God. It has separated us from God. And so as a result of that, even though God wants to have complete fellowship with us, he wants to be with us all the time. Because of his holiness, his righteousness, 
and other attributes that God has, we have separated ourselves from God. So there had to be a way for us to get back to God because God still wants to have fellowship. He wants to have communion. He wants to be our God. He wants to take care of us. He wants us to have the very best in life, and that comes through the hand of God, who is good through and through. So he wants all these things, but we have been separated from God because of what our first parents did back there. Now, Adam and Eve were real people. They weren't just ideas, but they were real people, flesh and blood. They were born flesh and blood from the very beginning. They weren't some kind of spirit being that fell into flesh and blood life afterward. They were perfectly like we are, and yet they had no sin. God created the human race without sin. He also created them as eternal beings. If they had not of sin, they would have lived forever, just like God has made a way of salvation that we will be able to do that. God has made a way to undo what sin has done down through the ages. And we want to go into more detail on that. But man was created a perfect being. We don't know his size or anything like that. I I will tell you that he didn't live in a cave and look more like an ape than a man. That never happened, except in the imagination of people. Many times the reason why they have these imaginations is because they don't want to acknowledge God as their Savior, as a possibility of even needing to be saved, or even talk about sin and these kind of things. And so in the process of doing all this kind of thing, of trying to hide from God one way or another, we have proven what the Bible said, that man is running away from God, that men love darkness rather than than light because their deeds are evil, and they don't want to be exposed to the darkness that's within them. And so we find this thing going on in man today. Everywhere you go, every civilization that you have, regardless of where they're at, regardless of whether they heard about the Bible or not, or they've heard about what I'm talking about or not, basically they're the same. We have more technology than we've had before, and these kind of things, But the human heart has not changed, regardless of where we're at, whether you're in Africa, Asia, Russia, anywhere in the world, people are basically the same as far as their spiritual life is concerned. So this is the condition of man today. It isn't what God created in the beginning. Everything that God created was perfect in every detail. But when man came and did what God told him not to do, it seemed like a simple enough thing. What is wrong with eating a little fruit? The thing that was wrong is because God told him not to do it. If God had told him that they should have done anything else and not 
supposed to have done anything else. It would have been the same thing. It wasn't the fruit that was the problem. It was the disobedience that was the problem. And because of disobedience, you see, man at the beginning, he was the head of the human race. As a result of that, what decision he made carried on down from generation to generation. We're ready for our second break. We're going to talk a little bit more about this and get into something else that will even explain things more to you. So I'm Howard Eugene Wright. I'm hosting Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. About the uniqueness of Christianity, we have shown you what we believe as being God, that who God is and everything like that. And then we've been talking about man and how that he fell into sin. Now, God is God, and he won't change. So what do we have here? We have God who wants to have fellowship with man. He wants to be a loving, personal person that will reach out and help the human race in the areas that we're unable to help ourselves in, so here we have God on one side. We have man on the other side that's rebelling against God. They could care less whether they hear about him or not. Matter of fact, there was a group a few years back that said, we don't have a deity to save us. We're going to have to save ourselves. And they've been trying it ever since. Now, that's not something new. That's been going on from the beginning of time. And we find that happening from right after Adam and Eve fell into sin, into rebellion against God, which turns out to be selfishness. I'll have my way rather than God's way. So there's no kind of relationship like that when you have those two things going on. One is perfect God that will not tolerate that kind of lifestyle. And then we have man that will do his best to do it and break his neck trying, so to speak, and so what are we going to do here? Because justice must be done. So what has God done, seeing he can do everything, what has he done that we can have a relationship with him again, that fallen man can be back into relationship with God? It seems logical that God would do something like that. So what did he do? That's where Jesus comes in. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, came and took on himself the form of a man. And he became obedient unto death. He died on a cross. Every sin must be paid for. If some, if we can't pay for it, someone else is going to have to pay for it. We had no way of paying for our sin. And so Jesus came that he would pay the debt for us. 
So, what we call salvation is what Jesus has done for us by coming to this world, living a perfect life. He was without sin. Jesus never was and never will be a sinner. A sinner could not save a sinner. We know that. And man being a sinner, so no man can save anyone else. We might be saving from drowning or something like that, but spiritually we can't save anyone else, regardless of how nice we may appear to be. So we needed a Savior to save us from our sins and to bring us back into fellowship with God. Now, how did God do that? He sent Jesus, and John chapter 1, verse 1, it talks about that Jesus is the Word. And uh, we could talk a lot about a lot of things here. We've talked about things in our programs as we've gone along, and we can't cover everything. But basically, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price for our sins. He, the, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. So someone had to die. But just dying, a lot of people have died for a good cause, haven't they? So we also know that Jesus rose from the grave. I, you know, some will say that this one rose or that one rose, but there's no proof of it. But there's plenty of proof in the Bible and out of the Bible that Jesus really did raise from the grave. That he rose in the same body that he died with that it wasn't a different body that he had, it was the same one. The nail prints in his hands were still visible, and the spear in his side, where the spear was pushed into his side, still visible. It was the same body, but at this time, it was a glorified body. And this is to show that someday we will have the same kind of body that Jesus had when he rose from the grave. And so we we talk about being saved from sin, being saved from our sins, being saved from the old carnal sin or the, the sin that we were born with. And this happens in this life. And then we're going to be saved from the presence of sin as we, too, are resurrected. So the Christian believes that God can help them to live a holy life by sending the Holy Spirit from the Father through the Son to us. And the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, helps us to will and do of God's pleasure. He sheds God's love abroad in our heart. He enables us to live the life that is pleasing to God, and therefore it opens us up to have fellowship with God again. We can have fellowship with God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so this is the basically how God has provided a way for us to get back to him, to have fellowship with him, Because the Bible tells us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
Therefore, God has made this possible for everyone. He doesn't have a select group of people that he chooses out of the rest of us and leaves the rest of us go to hell. Everyone has an equal opportunity to come to him through the Lord Jesus. And the first thing we got to do is ask God to forgive us of our sins, to acknowledge that we are sinners and that we need a Savior. And that shouldn't take much for us to figure out when we realize, some of us, you know, we tried every way we could to be nice the way we thought we should be, and every once in a while things would blow up. And so God has provided a way so we can be established in God's love and grace, and we can be restored to fellowship with God through the Lord Jesus. That's the only way it could be. Now, we offended God, and so God is quite in line by figuring out what we've got to do that he won't be offended anymore. So there's only one Savior. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Now, this is where the rub comes in. People say, well, Christians say that, that there's only one Savior. They they say that that uh, we can't get to heaven any other way. Don't blame me for that. That's what God said. said that there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Christ Jesus. So it isn't just the Christians that are saying that. The Bible says that. God says that. Now, while we're at it, let's talk about the Bible. And then we'll get more into this at the end of our program here. But what is the Bible? What makes the Bible so much different than any other book. Isn't it just another book that a lot of people got together and wrote? That's what a lot of people think. But I guarantee you, if man had written this book that we call the Bible, there would have been a lot in it. I mean, there would have been a lot that that wouldn't be in it. Because God not only tells the good things about people, he every once in a while he tells the bad thing about them too. Like he tells about David, which was a man after his own heart, and yet he committed adultery and murder. And if David hadn't have turned to God and repented of that and asked God to forgive him, which is found in Psalm 51, David would not have had fellowship with God. It is possible for us to fall out of fellowship with God the same way that we got out the first time. So if we fall back into sin, we're out of fellowship of God, and we got to do the first works over again, which the Bible is very clear on that. But what is the Bible? Is the Bible just a book like every other book? I don't think so. Why do people want to burn the Bible? Why do they want to destroy the Bible? What is there about the Bible that they don't want to just, they want to just, Get rid of it. Well, the Bible tells us what we really are like. It points out our sins, but more than that, it points out a Savior. And then we have a rub on both sides. One, we don't want a Savior like that. We want to go our own way. 
And if we did have one, we wouldn't have one like that. And so when the Christian talks about that Jesus is the only Savior, that gets a lot of people upset. But I haven't seen any other way that will really save people from sin. There's a lot of people have tried a lot of different ways, but I've never seen anyone get saved from their sin except through the Lord Jesus Christ. We can counsel them, we can educate them, we can put them in another environment, we can do all kinds of things, but the sin is still there. Sin is an internal problem, not an external problem. It doesn't make any difference what kind of environment we're in. I was pastor for over about 36 years, and I was able to see this in plain view, that people, you know, not wanting to find God, God's way, well, they never did take care of the sin problem. And it was the same thing. And we can fool ourselves into thinking that there's another way. But the truth of the matter is, I've never seen anyone transform the way that the gospel of Christ does, which is what I'm talking to you about, is the gospel. I've never seen anyone change in like the gospel does so that we can have fellowship with God again. But the Bible is God's word to man. And we want to talk about this in the next segment. The Bible is not just an ordinary book. And we'll talk about this as well in our next part, our last part. It's important that we realize that there is a book that shows us exactly what happened and how we can be saved from our sin and brought into a loving fellowship with the Lord. We're ready for our next break. So this is Howard Eugene Wright hosting Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. I trust that you will understand more about why Christians believe the way they do and the transforming grace of God that can take a poor lost sinner down on the skid row or up in some suite somewhere with a full garb of uh, tie and whatever and look very sanctimonious or look like they're down in the dirt. And all those people are leveled on the same plane in Christ because Jesus is indeed the only Savior, the only one that can bring us into a loving personal relationship with God. We don't have to question about this. We don't have to wonder where we can find out about it because, like I told you, the Bible is God's Word. We read that God's Word is settled in heaven. Now, there's a lot of translations that have been made of the Bible, and some of those translations water down certain parts of the Bible that people don't like. And yet, the Word of God is still there. 
Jesus said that heaven and earth would pass away, but his word, which is the Bible, will not pass away. So we have it today. I have it right down here in my lap. And I would imagine that most people do have a Bible, with few exceptions. And so we we see that the Bible is really the Word of God. A lot of books have been declared to be the Word of God. So how can we really know that the Bible is indeed the Word of God? First of all, look at the prophecies. Some of these prophecies, hundreds of years, let's take a one, let's take a look at the prophecies about Jesus coming to be the Savior of the world. And we find out that, that there's a prophecy that tells where Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. And we find that he's going to be of the lineage of David. And we, we find that he's going to be crucified between two um, malefactors or two criminals. And we find that he is going to go about doing good. And on and on it goes. There are over a hundred prophecies in the Old Testament that tells what Jesus is going to be like when he comes. And they're exactly the ways that they say it. Right to the last crossing of the T and dotting of the I. Now, how could any book be so accurate as to tell you exactly what's going to happen thousands of years, hundreds of years, before they actually happen, right to the very last degree? That would be one indication that the Bible is God's Word. Another indication is God tells the truth. The Bible tells you the truth. It tells you exactly how things were. It tells you how they are now. It tells you why they're the way they are now. And I've given you some of them to show you. So the, the Bible tells things like they are, not like we would like for them to be. It's not some kind of mythology that goes into a lot of craziness that anyone in their right sense would know that's not the way it is. The Bible is very much a book that you can prove by scientific investigation. And uh, the creation, it's exactly the way that the Bible says that it is. And so the, we see so many things like this that could not be just man's thinking about it, especially with man being fallen from God's grace and love and everything, we would find that man would be coming up with all kinds of wild things, which we see that happening in a number of different places, a number of different ways, because we really don't want the Bible. So that's the reason why people want to tear up the Bible. It's too revealing. The Bible is a two-edged sword. It cuts both ways. And so it, it shows us exactly who we are, what we are, how we can be better. And when we do these things that the Bible talks about, we come up with the results that it says. If we will turn from our sins, 
and accept Jesus as our Savior, then we find out that we do become new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things do pass away. All things do become new. We find that we do have a fellowship with God. So everything the Bible promises, it fulfills. And people can promise about anything, but not come up with fulfilling it. But everything that you see in the Bible, every promise that's there, it is literally fulfilled. So that's another way that we can tell that the Bible is God's Word, because it's so accurate, it's so truthful, it's it's so much the way that things really are. The Bible does not try to take us into some kind of an illusion to make us feel good when we're really not. It does indeed show us exactly everything about us, about God, at least everything we need to know. There are things, you see, we when we get to the Lord and we come to him through the Lord Jesus, we have plenty of room for growth. We know that God is perfect in every detail, so he doesn't need to grow. But we do have room for growth. We have room for improvement. I've heard it said that the greatest room is the room for improvement. And so even though we do have a perfect fellowship with God and the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit, when we're willing to let God be God in our lives, and so God deals with both of the sins in our lives. He deals with the sin that we commit, the sins that we commit, and then he also deals with the old carnal sin. And so when we accept Jesus as our Savior and Lord, he takes care of our sin problems. He makes us new creatures in Christ. And then when we come to him and give back our lives to God and let him be the Lord of our lives and let him come in and take care of the old sin problem, then the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and he dwells in us, lives in us, and helps us to be conquerors over everything that comes our way. We don't have to be covered by our circumstances. We can stand on our circumstances, for example. So God has given us a way through the Lord Jesus that we can get back in fellowship with him. And the Bible shows this. It doesn't give us some kind of a crazy thing, and when we try it, we find out it doesn't work. Everything that God tells us, he's being truthful with us. And if we do exactly what God tells us to do, and let me just say here that God even helps us to do it because in our own strength, we wouldn't be able to do anything. So salvation, we refer to salvation as being saved from our old sinful nature and from our sins. Uh, It's all God. God has provided it for us as a free gift. And all we have to do is accept it. If we accept what God has given for us, then we'll have this free gift, which is the Lord Jesus, and all that's entailed in that. We become heirs of God and join heirs of Jesus Christ. And on top of all of that, 
we know it. It The Spirit of the Lord bears witness with our spirit that we are God's children. We become children of God at that time. So isn't it wonderful to know that there is a way and you know the Bible says there is a way that seems right to man, but the end are, are the ways of death because of the way our lives have been messed up with sin. But then the Lord comes along and shows us Himself and shows us His way, and we can be back again, one in the Spirit, one in the Lord. We can have a perfect relationship with the Lord right here in this life because of what Jesus has done for us and what we can have through the Lord Jesus. You can have that right now. You don't have to go through some kind of rigmarole in order to get it, some kind of so many penance or whatever. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is accept what God's already done. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the Lord gives us Life, and he gives us abundant life. He gives us something that we could not have ourselves. No one else can do it for us, but God can. God comes to us and talks to us and shows us that we're sinners that need him. We wouldn't even know that if God didn't show it to us. But God does come, and we call that conviction. The Bible talks about God convicting through the Spirit. He convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. He shows us every area. God is not hiding, as I've told you. He knows what your condition is. He wants to help you. All you have to do is let go and let him do it. If you're willing to take the free gift that God has given you and not try some other way, which if you've done that any length of time, you know it doesn't work anyhow. Try something that works. Take something that's going to do something for you. Don't just keep on feeling guilty and, and feeling ashamed and everything of the way your lifestyle is. Let God be God in your life, and you will be amazed what God does. It's amazing that we're at the end of our program. Thank you for joining with us. It's been a wonderful time with me to tell you about the Lord and all these things, and I trust that what I've said will do you good. And so this is Howard Eugene Wright at Rivers of Living Water Talk Zone. Uh, Rivers of Living Water at TalkZone.com signing off for now. See you next week at the same time. <laughs> 